Chapter 13, Part 1 of A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Johanna Hoffman. A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life by William Law. Chapter 13, Part 1 that not only a life of vanity or sensuality, but even the most regular kind of life, that is not governed by great devotion, sufficiently shows its miseries, its wants and emptiness, to the eyes of all the world. This represented in various characters. It is a very remarkable saying of our Lord and Saviour to his disciples in these words, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Matthew 13:16. They teach us two things. First, that the dullness and heaviness of men's minds with regard to spiritual matters is so great that it may justly be compared to the want of eyes and ears. Secondly, that God has so filled everything and every place with motives and arguments for a godly life that they who are but so blessed, so happy as to use their eyes and their ears, must needs be affected with them. Now though this was, in a more especial manner, the case of those whose senses were witnesses of the life, and miracles, and doctrines of our blessed Lord, yet it is as truly the case of all Christians at this time. For the reasons of religion, the calls to piety, are so written and engraved upon everything, and present themselves so strongly, and so constantly to all our senses and everything that we meet, that they can be disregarded by eyes that see not, and ears that hear not. What greater motive to a religious life than the vanity, the poorness, of all worldly enjoyments? And yet, who can help seeing and feeling this every day of his life? What greater call to look towards God than the pains, the sickness, the crosses and vexations of this life? And yet, whose eyes and ears are not daily witnesses of them? What miracles could more strongly appeal to our senses, or what message from heaven speak louder to us, than the daily dying and departure of our fellow-creatures, so that the one thing needful, or the great end of life, is not left to be discovered by fine reasoning and deep reflections, but is pressed upon us, in the plainest manner, by the experiences of all our senses, by everything that we meet in life. Let us but intend to see and hear, and then the whole world becomes a book of wisdom and instructions to us, all that is regular in the order of nature, all that is accidental in the course of things, all the mistakes and disappointments that happen to ourselves, all the miseries and errors that we see in other people, become so many plain lessons of advice to us, teaching us, with as much assurance as an angel from heaven, that we can no ways raise ourselves to any true happiness, but by turning all our thoughts, our wishes and endeavors, after the happiness of another life. It is this right use of the world that I would lead you into, by directing you to turn your eyes upon every shape of human folly, that you may thence draw fresh arguments and motives of living to the best and greatest purposes of your creation. And if you would but carry this intention about you, of profiting by the follies of the world, and of learning the greatness of religion, from the littleness and vanity of every other way of life, if, I say, you would but carry this intention in your mind, you would find every day, every place, and every person, 
a fresh proof of their wisdom who choose to live wholly unto god you would then often return home the wiser the better and the more strengthened in religion by everything that has fallen in your way octavius is a learned ingenious man well versed in most parts of literature and no stranger to any kingdom in europe the other day being just recovered from a lingering fever he took upon him to talk thus to his friends my glass says he is almost run out and your eyes see how many marks of age and death i bear about me but i plainly feel myself sinking away faster than any standards by imagine i fully believe that one year more will conclude my reckoning the attention of his friends was much raised by such a declaration expecting to hear something truly excellent from so learned a man who had but a year longer to live when octavius proceeded in this manner for these reasons says he my friends i have left off all taverns the wine of those places is not good enough for me in this decay of nature i must now be nice in what i drink i cannot pretend to do as i have done and therefore am resolved to furnish my own cellar with a little of the very best though it cost me ever so much i must also tell you my friends that age forces a man to be wise in many other respects and makes us change many of our opinions and practices you know how much i have liked a large acquaintance i now condemn it as an error three or four cheerful diverting companions are all that i now desire because i find that in my present infirmities if i am left alone or to grave company i am not so easy to myself a few days after octavius had made this declaration to his friends he relapsed into his former illness was committed to a nurse who closed his eyes before his fresh parcel of wine came in young eugenius who was present at this discourse went home a new man with full resolutions of devoting himself wholly unto god i never says eugenius was so deeply affected with the wisdom and importance of religion as when i saw how poorly and meanly the learned octavius was to leave the world through the want of it how often had i envied his great learning his skill in languages his knowledge of antiquity his address and fine manner of expressing himself upon all subjects but when i saw how poorly it all ended what was to be the last year of such a life and how foolishly the master of all these accomplishments was then forced to talk for want of being acquainted with the joys and expectations of piety i was thoroughly convinced that there was nothing to be envied or desired but a life of true piety nor anything so poor and comfortless as a death without it now as the young eugenius was thus edified and instructed in the present case so if you are so happy as to have anything of his thoughtful temper you will meet with variety of instruction of this kind you will find that arguments for the wisdom and happiness of a strict piety offer themselves in all places and appeal to all your senses in the plainest manner you will find that all the world preaches to an attentive mind and that if you have but ears to hear almost everything you meet teaches you some lesson of wisdom but now if to these admonitions and instructions which we receive from our senses from an experience of the state of human life if to these we add the lights of religion those great truths which the son of god has taught us it will be then as much past all doubt that there is but one happiness for man and that there is but one god
For since religion teaches us that our souls are immortal, that piety and devotion will carry them to an eternal enjoyment of God, and that carnal, worldly tempers will sink them into an everlasting misery with damned spirits, what gross nonsense and stupidity is it to give the name of joy or happiness to anything but that which carries us to this joy and happiness in God? Was all to die with our bodies, there might be some pretense for those different sorts of happiness that are now so much talked of. But since our all begins at the death of our bodies, since all men are to be immortal, either in misery or happiness, in a world entirely different from this, since they are all hastening hence at all uncertainties, as fast as death can cut them down, some in sickness, some in health, some sleeping, some waking, some at midnight, others at cock-crowing, and all at hours that they know not of. Is it not certain that no man can exceed another in joy and happiness? But so far as he exceeds him in those virtues, which fit him for a happy death. Cognatus is a sober, regular clergyman, of good repute in the world, and well esteemed in his parish. All his parishioners say he is an honest man, and very notable at making a bargain. The farmers listen to him with great attention when he talks of the properest time of selling corn. He has been, for twenty years, a diligent observer of markets, and has raised a considerable fortune by good management. Cognatus is very orthodox, and full of esteem for our English liturgy, and if he has not prayers on Wednesdays and Fridays, it is because his predecessor had not used the parish to such custom. As he cannot serve both his livings himself, so he makes it matter of conscience to keep a sober curate upon one of them whom he hires to take care of all the souls in his parish, at as cheap a rate as a sober man can be procured. Cognatus has been very prosperous all his time, but still has had the uneasiness and vexations that they have, who are deep in worldly business. Taxes, losses, crosses, bad mortgages, bad tenants, and the hardness of the times are frequent subjects of his conversation, and a good or bad season has great effect upon his spirits. Cognatus has no other end in growing rich, but that he may leave a considerable fortune to a niece, whom he has politely educated in expensive finery, but what he has saved out of the tithes of two livings. The neighbors look upon Cognatus as a happy clergyman, because they see him, as they call it, in good circumstances, and some of them intend to dedicate their own sons to the church, because they see how well it has succeeded with Cognatus, whose father was but an ordinary man. But now, if Cognatus, when he first entered into holy orders, had perceived how absurd a thing it is to grow rich by the gospel, if he had proposed to himself the example of some primitive or other, if he had had the piety of the great St. Austin in his eye, who durst not enrich any of his relations out of the revenue of the church, if, instead of twenty years' care to lay up treasures upon earth, he had distributed the income every year, in the most Christian acts of charity and compassion, if instead of tempting his niece to be proud, and providing her with such ornaments as the apostle forbids, he had clothed, comforted, and assisted numbers of widows, orphans, and distressed, who were all to appear for him at the last day, if instead of the cares and anxieties of bad bonds, troublesome mortgages, and ill bargains, he had had the constant comfort of knowing that his treasure was securely laid up, where neither moth corrupteth, nor thieves break through and steal. Matthew 6.20.
could it with any reason be said that he had mistaken the spirit and dignity of his order or lessened any of that happiness which is to be found in his sacred employment if instead of rejoicing in the happiness of a second living he had thought it as unbecoming the office of a clergyman to traffic for gain in holy things as to open a shop if he had thought it better to recommend some honest labor to his niece than to support her in idleness by the labors of a curate better than she would want fine clothes and a rich husband than that cures of souls should be farmed about and brother clergymen not suffered to live by those altars at which they serve if this had been the spirit of cognatus could it with any reason be said that these rules of religion this strictness of piety had robbed cognatus of any real happiness could it be said that a life thus governed by the spirit of the gospel must be a dull and melancholy if compared to that of raising a fortune for a niece now as this cannot be said in the present case so in every other kind of life if you enter into the particulars of it you will find that however easy and prosperous it may seem yet you cannot add piety to any part of it without adding so much of a better joy and happiness to it end of chapter thirteen part one